Steven Spielberg's latest film, The Fablemans, is now playing in many theaters nationwide, and I have my thoughts, which I'm going to present as unbiased as possible. I mean, after all, it's not like I'm going to be walking around wearing a Steven Spielberg t-shirt, right? This video is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Merle to see how you can get three months free and stay tuned for more info. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle and welcome to my review of The Fablemans, the latest film from Steven Spielberg and one of my most anticipated movies of the year. If you know me even just a little bit, then you probably know that Steven Spielberg is my favorite director. His films have had a profound influence on me. E.T. is basically the movie that taught me what movie magic was. It got me into filmmaking and how things worked. Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. So when I heard that Spielberg was working on a semi-autobiographical film about his own years as a teenager and an aspiring filmmaker, of course my interest was piqued. You think whatever bad things you want about me, kiddo, but you stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. You will break her heart, I mean it. The Spielberg stand-in in The Fablemans is Sammy Fableman, played for most of the film as a teenager by Gabriel LaBelle, in what I think should be a breakout role for him. Gabriel LaBelle is not just a fresh face, he's a really good actor who's able to hold his own in a cast that is packed with really talented veterans. Sammy's father, Bert, played by Paul Dano, is a rising star in the emerging tech industry, resulting in the family having to move first to Arizona, then to California. The Fableman family is held together mostly by love, much of it coming from Mitzi, played by Michelle Williams, the matriarch of the family who is as free-spirited and artistic as her husband is buttoned down and methodical. Seth Rogen plays Benny, Bert's best friend and work partner, who's known as Uncle Benny to the Fableman children, and Judd Hirsch comes in and grabs this movie with both hands in a brief appearance as Mitzi's great-uncle Boris, more on him later. The idea of a director telling his own life story or elements of his own life story on screen is nothing new. It's been around almost as long as the medium of film has been around. But it is unusual for a director like Steven Spielberg, who basically wrote the pop culture Bible along with George Lucas that people are still using today, to take on his legacy so directly. The Fablemans is a sentimental staging of many of Spielberg's childhood memories, and for a man who practically invented modern movie magic, many of those memories now belong to us, the audience, beautifully captured on film for eternity. But a lot of the memories that we see in the Fablemans aren't memorable film moments. They're more like the wistful ruminations of an old man. And instead of an audience sitting wrapped and watching it unfold on screen, I found myself listening and nodding along politely for some of this movie's running time. Tonally, The Fablemans is also very melodramatic. Now, some would say that Spielberg did this on purpose, that he's presenting the drama of his life in the same way that drama was presented in the 1950s and the 1960s on screen. Those are the decades in which this movie takes place. But I'm not so sure that the effect was necessary intentional across the board. Michelle Williams is a superb actress, and her swing for the fences performance as Mitzi Fableman is sure to garner a lot of attention this awards season, but I found the performance to be distractingly broad, a stagey, late-era Liza Minnelli-esque show of constant emotion that broke the spell of the movie. A lot of The Fablemans is about the concept of real memories and how we mythologize them as adults, the way that we take common experiences that we see as children and make them into the tall tales we tell ourselves because they are integral parts of our lives. Through that lens, Michelle Williams' performance makes a lot more sense. I just couldn't quite get on board. 
forward. The movie also loses a little bit of focus as it goes along, moving from a spotlight on Sammy's family and his filmmaking aspirations to stories of his high school years, his first love, and the bullying and anti-Semitic abuse he suffers at the hands of high school bullies. Now, these are important topics now more than ever to address in a movie about a Jewish family in America. My issue is narratively, I think the transition could have been a little bit smoother. The way that it's written in the script, it's a bit of an abrupt turn when we were going down one road that I was very invested in, and now all of a sudden, we're going down this one. Jesus is sexy. Isn't that like a sin or something? <laughs> I don't know. Well, nobody knows what he really looked like. Probably he looked like you. Oh, because, because he was... Jewish. My handsome Jewish boy. Now, I've often spoken about not bringing expectations into a movie. And so I did my best not to bring my hope for what I wanted the Fablemans to be into the movie before I watched it. But I still did find myself a little bit disappointed that the glimpses of absolute movie magic that we see in this movie are largely glimpses. Not to say that the rest of it is bad, it's just contrasted with the brilliant parts of this movie that we do see. There are definitely some all-time Spielberg moments in this movie and some great dramatic scenes. One scene in particular is a small scene where Sammy is directing an amateur actor on the set of one of his shorts while he's in high school, but in that moment is actually processing and channeling his own turbulent home life into his conversation with that actor. The complexity of that scene was really what I was hoping for from more of the Fablemans and that we didn't quite get through a lot of the rest of the film. The biggest exception to this, though, is the 10 minutes or so of screen time that we get from Judd Hirsch as Uncle Boris. He delivers an all-time great scene as he lays out to Sammy what it really means to devote your life to art. Art will give you crowns in heaven and laurels on earth, but, but also... It will tear your heart out. And this more than anything, even more than the childlike wonder at the magic of cinema that we see in a lot of scenes in this film, feels like Spielberg channeling his actual self. The sacrifices that you have to make when you're called to be an artist. Not even wanting to be an artist, but the sacrifices that you're forced to make when you realize that you have no choice but to live your life as an artist because that's the only true calling that you have. It is a marvelous performance from Judd Hirsch and a wonderfully written scene from Spielberg and co-writer Tony Kushner. I was hoping Uncle Boris would be back later on in the movie, but he's not. However, for those few minutes, the Fablemans truly springs to life and crackles with intensity. And it's mostly thanks to Judd Hirsch, who I think is going to be getting some serious awards consideration for very limited screen time. In this case, it is definitely quality over quantity because it is an unforgettable performance in the Fablemans. The movie may have disappointed me by not consistently flying as high as it was clearly capable of, but I wouldn't label The Fablemans a disappointment either. It's very much Steven Spielberg the movie, featuring not only many aspects of Spielberg's life, but a fourth collaboration with co-writer Tony Kushner. The 20th collaboration with cinematographer Janusz Kaminski, who's been working with Spielberg going all the way back to Schindler's List. We also get editing from Michael Kahn, whose relationship with Spielberg goes all the way back to 1977's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We have the producing team of Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall, who have been with Spielberg since Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we get the 29th and likely final collaboration between Spielberg and 
composer John Williams, who said he will be retiring after composing the score for this movie and the fifth Indiana Jones film, which is being directed by James Mangold. There is a feeling here that this is the last time that we're going to get every member of this all-star team together to make a movie, and the sparks that we get in the Fablemans remind us of just how effortlessly they were able to create movie magic over all of these decades. Many of my colleagues seem to have been utterly entranced by the Fablemans, and it seems poised to be a serious contender for several major Academy Awards, so my positive but perhaps less enthusiastic response isn't going to hurt the movie too much. If anything, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to see the masterpiece that so many of my peers were, but I can't will a movie to be something that I didn't think that it was. However, the fact that Spielberg was still able to deliver in this movie half a dozen or more moments in cinema, scenes, shots that are already seared into my brain and that I'm not going to forget anytime soon is just another indication that no matter what decade it is or what kind of movie he's making, Steven Spielberg has a genius and a gift for filmmaking that is truly unstoppable. So those are my thoughts on The Fablemans, a movie that I enjoyed but that many other people think is a masterpiece. Are you going to be seeing it this weekend? Did you already see it? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor for this review, ExpressVPN. What if there was someone out there who, let's say, kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? Maybe they made a list that they checked frequently to see if you were good or bad. That creepiness is worth it when you're getting presents, but what if I told you that it's exactly what happens every time you go online? Your your internet provider is allowed to store logs of your activity and then can legally sell that data to anybody. That's why I always use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your interconnection through their secure servers so that your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Many VPNs claim to have a no logs policy, but ExpressVPN is the only one to use trusted server technology, which makes it impossible for their VPN servers to store any data, including logs of any ExpressVPN customer. And you don't have to take my or ExpressVPN's word for it. ExpressVPN is so confident in their no logs claim they even had one of the biggest assurance firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, audit their technology. Stop letting people keep logs of what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Merle right now and find out how you can get three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Merle, expressvpn.com slash Merle to learn more. Thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this review, and thank you for watching. I'll be back later this week with other reviews, including a wrap-up of Season 1 of Andor, and I'll be back early next week to talk about all of the Thanksgiving box office results. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.